Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. It's the first Monday of May. How can that be? And may the 4th be with you to all my Star Wars loving fans like me out there. Um, today, I'm so glad you're tuning in to Book Lights because we have New York Times bestselling author Michelle Fox today. And we've never met in person, but I feel like I know her because we're in a bunch of Facebook groups together, and she is just fantastic. So I can't wait for you guys to meet her. If you've never read Michelle yet, I'm going to read her bio to you, and you can get a little familiar. USA Today and New York Times bestselling author Michelle Fox lives in the Midwest with her husband, Tween, the occasional exchange student and two labs who steal her socks and all the space on the couch. I can relate. I have a little Boston Terrier. All the, she needs all the room. <laughs> she loves fantasy and romance, which makes writing paranormal romance and urban fantasy a natural fit. Aside from writing, she runs the Wolfpack Reads group on Facebook, which is a large, active community of readers you should totally join. And in her spare time, she helps remodel her 1860 farmhouse, drives her tween everywhere, and sits in the car and drinks too much tea. I can totally relate. I did put a link to join her newsletter right there on the Block Talk site. So if you're listening live, um, go ahead and click that anytime and sign up. I think she gives you a free book right away. So without any further ado, Michelle, are you there? Yes. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hi. I'm so glad you could come on today. I do hear you. Oh, good. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's something to do while I have to stay home. (laughs) Right. While we're all stuck inside, let's talk books. (laughs) So you have a new book out, and I love the title. It's called Mother Ducking Magic, right? Yes. Yes. I thought it it was being very clever, um, and it turns (laughs) out that uh, the algorithms can absolutely read Mother Ducking, and they know what I'm trying to say, and so they don't like it. (laughs) And I run ads. Oh, no. Oh, no. Shoot. I thought you were being so clever. Me, too. I thought I was being super smart. <laughs> so I have a title. Well, I have a title that I can't use. And um, the first scene, which is like a short story that ends up being chapter one, is about orgasms, illegal sex magic. And I thought I was really smart doing Monster O and the Big O. Can't use those either. They know. They can read it oh now. Oh, my gosh. Wow, they're too smart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty soon we're all going to be writing Amish romance. <laughs> right, right. So, so what can you tell everybody about the about the books and the series? Why should they go grab it right away? Well, I, I it's funny, and um, Sylvie, I like Sylvie because she's like this underdog who just is super resourceful. And always finds a way to kick ass and do what she needs to get done. But the odds are just enormous against her. So I like that. And and she's funny and she doesn't take herself too seriously. And she has her, her little wry sense of humor. Um, and I like the world building I did. The world building is really fun. I sort of started with this premise of who was the first witch to ever witch? Like, who was that? Who was that woman uh, or man? In my universe, it's a woman. But um, who was that person and why? Why? 
So I sort of created this idea of why the first witch existed, why the, this magic came to be, and how that created the vampires and the shifters. And then, you know, the first witch dies, and Sylvie, we come into Sylvie's world, and she doesn't really have very good magic. In fact, she ends up tasing herself with her own magic, like, all the time because she's not really <laughs> powerful enough to harness it correctly, so it blows back on her. <laughs> So what? <laughs> yeah, so it's it's sometimes it's kind of hard to be Sylvie, and she you know she's this huge disappointment to her family, and the only job she can get is bounty hunting. So she's the one where when you know you use illegal magic or you shift in the wrong place or you suck the blood of the wrong person, you get arrested. She's the one that comes and bails you out and makes sure you go to your court date. Um, that's kind of like the only job her. Her um, society, which society thinks she's fit for. And so she's a huge disappointment and trying to figure out what she's doing with her life. And then she gets thrown into this whole mystery around this ancient relic that belonged to the first witch. And it turns out that she has a real personal connection to it that explains a lot of why she's a huge failure. Oh, and so in your world, the others are out then? Are there still humans in the other world, or is everybody magic? Yes. Yeah, it, it, there's, there's segregation. You know, the humans are like, you go live over here, and there's, there's a lot of rules and, you know, diplomatic protocol on how the two sides interact. So, you know, you cannot actually charm someone to fall in love with you and then steal their retirement funds. Like, that's a no-no. So there's consequences for that, and there's a legal system for it. And so she's part; she plugs into that. Okay. I love that. How long did it take you to come up with all of this world that she's in? You know, this was a book that I wrote very organically. I did not really know what it was going to be. You know, um, and I didn't publish it. I kind of sat on it for a long time. Um, Because it didn't fit with what my writing schedule was. It didn't fit with anything. And, you know, I keep trying to be a well-behaved author and stick to the (laughs) series that need to be completed. And that is not how I work, though. That's the really frustrating part for me. And I know that sometimes readers are kind of annoyed by that, too. Um, (laughs) So I have a very zigzaggy kind of writing muse and inspiration. So I just spontaneously wrote this book very quickly. And her voice was so fresh. Like when I sent the book out to my beta readers, they said, this is so fresh. It just, it's so bubbly and bright and new and interesting. And they, and they really liked it. And um, she just, it just happened. I didn't know it was going to be about the first witch. I didn't know half the stuff that was going to happen in the story. Sylvie really showed up and said, listen, let me drive. I got this. And I was like, okay. <laughs> That does not happen very often. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm a pantser myself, so I often don't realize how something's going to evolve until I start writing it. And I just love when you get a strong character who's like, just follow me, take notes. Yes, Yes, exactly. I don't always get characters like that. (laughs) So, you know, I sometimes have to work really hard for what I'm doing. But Sylvie just, she's a very distinct person in my head. I don't know why. But she just showed up. And I just love her because, you know, she's, she's not perfect. She's kind of a slob. Um, but she doesn't care. 
she really she doesn't care. She she likes who she is. She doesn't care. I mean, oh, she wishes like she that. had better magic, but she doesn't feel bad about it. You know, um, she's always looking to do the best for herself that she can with what she has, and she achieves quite a bit. She's quite remarkable just because of that attitude. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And is this the first? So she's the narrator. It's urban fantasy, right? Yes, it's urban fantasy. Um, with sort of, there's a little bit of a comedic uh, rom-com feel to it. Okay. And do you see it having a lot of books? Do you know how many? I guess you probably don't, since she hasn't told you. But do you know how many books well, there will be in the series? So. So initially I tried to contain her and I'm like, okay, I'm going to write one book with you and then we're done. We are breaking up. I'm over it. I'm like, I have other books that I, I owe my readers, you know? And she was like, yeah, listen, look at your word count, biatch. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. I've already written the book. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, fine. I will give you one more book. So I'm in the middle of finishing up the, the final draft of this next book and um, I'm going to finish her story arc of what happened to her power and, and how that resolves or doesn't um, in this book. But it will sort of leave other messes. So I don't know if I'll come back and write some episodic stories about how she cleans it up because it will fit really well with the bounty hunter idea. So we'll see. But yeah, I love the bounty book, hunter. After the second book, she'll sort of be at a happy for now, but there's other problems brewing. Um, and mm -hmm. I'll, I'm planning to let her rest on her laurels because I have other stuff I need to write. <laughs> <laughs> that is a hard part as an author is we can only write so fast, but readers read super fast. And so I always yeah. have these ideas that I want to write eventually, and I look at my schedule, and I'm like, oh, it's going to be years, and people are emailing going, when do we get this yeah. book? And, and I'm, I'm like, dang. I'm, yes. <laughs> I'm trying to be really focused. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I have a third book in my other urban fantasy that I really want to finish and give to readers because people are waiting for it. And then I have um, a romance series that people really like, and I just sort of – I wrote part of the third book and I sort of felt lost. And I just recently went back and reread it. I'm like, oh, this, this is fine. I can make this go. So I'm hoping to get stuff like that done. And then I have a mermaid pirate urban fantasy type thing that um, I'd like to publish because that, that's one of my little favorite pet projects that I've, I'm almost like, I haven't published it because I'm almost like afraid to publish it because I don't know if I, I don't, I don't know if I could take it if people didn't like that one. Do you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yes, I totally know what you mean. <laughs> Sometimes I there's certain characters that you get so close to while you're writing it, you're like, I don't know if I can put this out because if somebody hates this guy, I'm going to have to fight. <laughs> yeah. So I, I actually may write that novel and just set it free. I may not even charge money for it. Um, partly because I know that I'm not going to have a ton of time to write them another book and people are going to want another book. Um, so I, I'm, I'm hoping if I give it to them for free, they won't be super angry with me. And I'll just be like, look, go read these other things and give me some time and I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> I'll yeah, be back. I'll just back hang tight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I understand. Well, it, can you tell us, um, and I don't know this answer either, but 
when you started out, were you always going to be a writer? Or did you join a bunch of writing groups? What would, what did your writing journey look like? Well, I mean, I started writing a lot as a child. In fact, one of the very first, oddly, this is an odd one. The first writing project I ever completed was a ballet, complete with choreography. Wow. At age 10. Wow. I, I don't even remember <laughs> what the plot was. I don't even know what the hell I was doing. And I actually was a terrible dancer. So I don't know what that was, but that was like the very first thing I ever wrote. And I continually wrote throughout my childhood. I won some awards as like a kid. I was published in Greenpeace at one point, Um, but my family was super discouraging. And so I didn't pursue it. I believed the people that told me there was no money. You shouldn't do it. It's a waste of time. I believed those people, uh, much to my regret. So I went into college. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I loved, you know, um, different cultures. I traveled quite a bit as a kid. I'd been to Europe. I'd been to Latin America. um, And I loved other people and other cultures and other traditions. So I ended up going into, like, international studies and also majoring in Spanish. So my, my dream was to work at the U.N., which didn't happen. But um, that, I didn't really know what I was doing. So I did that as my degree. Uh, I ended up working in international business, doing import-export hazardous materials. Uh, and then I just started writing because I read um, Laurel King Hamilton's Anita Blake books, which I really, really, really enjoyed. And she was not writing fast enough for me. And I couldn't find enough books like that to read because it was the beginning of urban fantasy. And um, so I just started writing and that book that I started writing, I worked on years and years and years ago. I ended up publishing it and it did very well. It was um, rare state. So, which was my vampire urban fantasy. And that ended up selling really, really well. It's a psychic FBI agent who's also like part vampire, but doesn't quite know that yet. Um, So uh, yes, I did actually publish the very first novel I ever wrote. It just took a long time, and I did a lot of editing. And, you know, it's probably still not 100% where I'm at now craft-wise, but it's just it's a solid story, and the pacing is good, and people did like it. So I'm happy I published it. So that's kind of how I came to it. I did conferences. I joined writing groups. Um, it took a long time for me to find people who could actually teach me anything, you know, there's a lot of low-value writing instruction out there. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, not to be, you yeah. know, negative or mean or anything, but there's just a lot of really low-quality stuff. In fact, I actually got suckered into buying an ebook yesterday on craft that promised to give me, you know, craft, craft tips from seasoned writers. And I thought, oh, you know, I would love to hear higher-level stuff. You know, I'm not a beginner mm-hmm. anymore. And it's all right. the inner crap, you know? And I'm like, oh, my oh. God. These people took my money. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> well, for for the people out there who are, are readers and they're, you know, getting into writing, you do a lot of teaching things online, and you have a lot of great Facebook groups. I'm involved in a couple of those. How did you start doing that, and and how big, how much of your time gets taken up teaching other people? Well, um, it's a great way to procrastinate and yet still feel like I'm doing something productive, so it's really a weakness of mine. It's a major weakness that I do any of this, but I really enjoy it. You know, when I was in corporate America, 
I had interns, and I learned there that I'm actually pretty good at mentoring people, and that I actually liked it. So it seems, you know, this is a facet of my personality and what I enjoy, and so I do it. Um, and then I lie to myself and, and say, oh, you're being productive. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really making my word count or doing the, the writing things that I need to do. But I actually started all these groups, believe it or not, nothing was planned. I never, I was, again, you know, I'm, I'm a very intuitive pantser kind of writer, and I run all this other stuff the same way. So what had happened, to be honest, was, one, I had run a very successful cross promo back in 2013 called a Wolfpack run. And it was, it was a promo that could push books into the top 100 paid. And cause everything was just so voracious and the marketing was working so well back then. And so from that, I realized, well, we need a reader group. And then in the author groups I was in, um, they got sort of infiltrated with sort of sociopathic behavior, you know, hustlers, mm -hmm. people who were looking to scam right. And they just right. tainted and undermined. They almost like performed like professional trolls. I don't know if you've ever seen a group of trolls infiltrate, infiltrate a group and work off of each other to destroy it. I have seen that online in the past. Wow. And it was almost like a group of trolls. I don't think it was intentional. I think it was just a byproduct of the fact that some of the bigwigs were actual sociopaths. So at that point, I realized mm. this, the groups that I really loved that I had depended on for so long were no longer safe. And so I'm like, well, I need an author group, and I want to make it safe because I may not, you know, people may not find me to be the best leader ever, but I'm not a sociopath, and I'm ge generally a benevolent dictator, so to speak. You know, I work <laughs> with people, and I, and I allow people, I allow groups to self-determine up to a point. You know, I only come in and put the kibosh on if I need to. And uh, so right. I'm like, I'm just going to control it. And people can like it or not, but what they'll know is that I'm weeding out the jerks and I'm not going to allow mm -hmm. predators, you know. And so that was kind of how I got started. I had to build my own community because that was the only way to make it safe. Um, so that's how I started. And then we had, you know, and I kept things very private. And then recently I started Wolfpack Promotions. Because I wanted to bring in newer authors. I get really upset when I see all the scamming that goes on, the way new authors are given $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 price tags in order to gain access to information that's often of very low quality and often questionable business practices. You know, And so that really bothers me. And I'm like, well, what can I do? I do not want to run a full-time business selling courses. You know, I don't, I don't have that right. interest. Um, maybe someday I'll set like automated classes that I don't have to participate in. Maybe I'll do that someday, but until it's turnkey, I'm not doing it. So I did the, the free novella on what I felt I wanted new authors to know about marketing. And I have a whole training on your very first Facebook ad, and I'm going to be working on a Instagram beginner Instagram training as well. So, and I offer those for free. And then for more advanced learning, I do have a paid group, but I try to, provide value for those new authors coming in that they don't necessarily need to pay for because I feel like so many authors help me and there's so many people who lifted me up that I don't want our our industry our profession to lose that you know we're in right. danger of losing we're really in danger of it becoming pay to play and the only one any only way anyone will tell you anything that's good advice is if you pay for it and that's not how writing has worked it really no. isn't. Yeah. So I'm so yeah, kind of I love that. that. 
Yeah, I love that authors offer other authors a hand up. It certainly happened for me and sounds like it happened for you. And, and I totally agree. When somebody's brand new, you know, you've read a ton of books and you should be able to reach out to an author that you respect and, and you know, tell them how much you love their books and and please, <laughs> can you point me in the right direction? Because that's how it's always worked. And so it's, it would be sad if that went away. Right. Right. And I think that we, we need to, as authors, we need to fight a little bit for open information. Right. Um, right. Uh, and, and to kind of push back against the guru, the guruification of our industry. Ooh, that's a good word. <laughs> I hear I write books. Guruification? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Somebody said I was a writer somewhere with words. I don't know. <laughs> what? Words? What? <laughs> so who inspires you when you get stuck? Do you pick up a book? Who? Who? Which authors inspired you to, well, you already said Laurel K. Hamilton, but is there anybody else yeah. that you love to read and get inspired? Oh, gosh, I read everything. I mean, I read everything. Right now I'm reading um, – oh, wait, i got to look it up. I think it's called – what is it called? It's a retelling of The Little Mermaid, but she's an assassin, and she kills princes. To kill a king – it's young adult fantasy, but I'm like, the premise was so good. And listen, here's the first line. Because I did the look inside, because I'm like, am I going to enjoy this? And the very first line right. is, I have a heart for every year I've been alive. And I was like, wow. all right, that's it. I'm reading it. I'm reading it. I'm reading it. <laughs> I'm in. So, yeah, it's a very creative take on The Little Mermaid. So I'm into that. I'm reading um, Carrie, and I'm probably going to mispronounce her last name, but Carrie Polkinen? Polkin? Polkin? Um, she has some great rom-com uh, or paranormal romance, uh, License to Bite. I have that. And I also am getting, just like every other pandemic, I'm getting into gardening. So Animal Vegetable Miracle by Barbara Kingsolver. My daughter just read Vanicula, and I went through and kind oh, of skimmed cute. the first couple of chapters. And Vanicula is absolutely brilliant. It's very Isn't well it? written. I love that book. <laughs> yes, and my daughter's like, and she's actually, you know, way past the age when she should have read it, but she's like, I love this book. It's amazing. So we started it with the ebook, so and fantastic. she loved it so yeah. much. I bought her the the hardbound collection to keep. So oh, that's nice. kind of. I mean, I kind of go to. I love reading. Re, Laurel K. Hamilton is one of my few rereads. Occasionally, Diana Gabaldon, although I don't know that I'll ever be as intricate. Um, as she is with her plotting. I don't know. That might not be in my, my skill level, but I do read those a lot. And I just look for new stuff, interesting stuff, and I'll reread that. Yeah, I I um, just finished. Uh, it's an older book, but it's a YA called Perfected, and it was it, it's still sort of haunting me about um, genetically created pe people that are made to be pets it was just like whoa um, <laughs> so it was it was very wow. and then and then yeah I highly recommend it very odd just it was so bizarre but these people are raised to be pets um, and and the the government passed it through because they were supposed to help 
um, disabled people, you know, instead of dogs. Um, But then, of course, rich people started buying pets just so they could say they had one. So it's very bizarre. (laughs) It was was really good. Very haunting. Um, And then right now I'm listening to an audio book of – Val Kilmer, I'm your Huckleberry, and it's so good so far. I'm just like, wow. Um, I'm really? so surprised, but I was very curious, and it's really good. I, I'm I'm very surprised. It's really good and very inspiring. Um, really interesting. So anyway, That's I'm your Huckleberry. I recommend it. It just That's came out, um, but I saw him pushing it on Facebook. And I just thought, well, that's I don't usually do biographies, but it's it's really good. It's really interesting, or a memoir, I guess. But I like um, I like a yeah, good memoir so. that gives me like a behind yeah. the scenes. I love behind the scenes stuff. Like, okay, let me tell you something I learned today. Do you know? Yes. And I I know we're running short on time, but do you know if you go in an elevator when when you push okay push the door shut button and then just when you push your floor that you're going to hold it. And it'll go straight to your floor and bypass every other floor. And apparently police and fire use this all the time. What? I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know. How I did thought you learn the that? So I don't know. I want to test it out. But, of course, I don't go anywhere But um, right now. Right? But, uh, yeah, I was like, I love that kind of stuff. Like when people tell me, you know, I'm a fire person or a police person and this is what my job. I love that kind of stuff when I, when I learn about people's lives behind the scenes. Yes, and I love when uh, they fit that into, like, fiction because um, <laughs> I'm also binge-watching things because we're all stuck at home. And Netflix got Kate and Leopold on, on there right now, so everyone go watch it because young Hugh Jackman, I'm like, oh. Um, but anyway. Yeah, oh, it was so fantastic. It was better than I remembered it being, but it's time travel. And, and anyway – I, I looked it up, I'm like, oh my gosh, but he was the the prince who actually invented the idea for the elevator and and why oh. all the elevators have that name in them. Anyway, it was it was so interesting and I'm looking it up on Wikipedia, I'm like, Oh but it's really cool when especially time travel authors when they pull in like real things and you know right. <laughs> put them in there and you're like, Wow, right. it's so no, real. Yeah. Oh that's a, I really <laughs> and Diana I yeah, love oh, her, so and the thing is, she is so meticulously planning every single plot point and how it relates to other plot points. Like, her brain is a whole different level of complexity. You know, <laughs> I don't, I just look at how she does that, and I'm like, nope, I don't think that's the way my brain is ever going to work. <laughs> but I so <laughs> admire what she's done. You know, she plants breadcrumbs or Easter eggs in all the books, that you won't necessarily catch until you reread it, which is oh. absolutely true because I've reread the early books and I'm like, oh, oh, and I'm like, and it's absolutely true. There's Easter eggs all the way through that series that she has done on purpose, which means she had to know what she was wow. doing right. for a long time. She had it planned out. Right? Yeah. Right. And so when you go and you reread, you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't catch that the first time around, you know? 
So See, absolutely. And I've never, I've never read those, but I've been binge watching Outlander because now we're stuck inside and everybody's like, you got to watch it. So I've been watching it and even watching the show, you can see, you know, I don't know. I think I'm on season four now, season three or four, yeah. but yeah, there's things where she finds, you know, a skull and then she's like, oh my gosh. And you're, and it takes you a second. And then you're like, oh my God, that was the girl from the first season. What? Right, right. I highly recommend. So, I highly recommend reading the very first book because it's beautifully crafted. I mean, brilliantly written, very well executed. Like it's it's amazing. Yeah, it, the the show has been fantastic, and I'm sure the books are better. Oh yeah. So we are rapidly running out of time. I can't believe it. We could have done this another another half hour. I know. <laughs> But before before we run out of time, do you have any giveaways, promos, anything you want people to go check out? Well, um, a lot of my giveaways just ended, although I think I'm going to do a little um, seed thing with all the garden seeds I have because I know people are looking for seeds. And I said, you know, I've got herb stuff. Maybe I could send out some herb seeds to people, and people are interested in that. So I'm going to try and get that set up. Um, the main thing is, you know, if Mother Ducking Magic sounds interesting to you, there is a free short story, Mother Ducking Monster O. So you can go check that out. It's available on pretty much all major retailers. And you can see if you like what Sylvie does to me. <laughs> Everyone, please go check it out because it's so fantastic. And I'm sure if readers start hollering, Sylvie will have more books for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for being here, Michelle. It was great to have you on, and we'll talk to you soon. I thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.